0: Uh, we're entering a new, uh, series, uh, today through August. Uh, and then in September, we'll dive into another book of the Bible. Uh, so those of you that like walking through scripture, just know that that's coming in September. Um, but, uh, today we're starting the series, uh, called Fighting Forest Fires. Uh, Fighting Forest Fires. Handling powerful emotions that burn. And, um, I tell you, uh, my job is just very, it, it always continues to throw me new curves. I didn't plan on this past week sitting down and interviewing two different firefighters about forest fires and what they are, but I did, and I got to do that. And it was really cool and really interesting, and I learned a lot about uh, fires. Um, as many of you know, there are plenty of different fires that are raging throughout California now and have been over the past few months, especially due to the drought um, and what have you, a lot going on uh in our state. Um but we look at forest fires and um I, I I think of this question, how do we respond? How do we respond to forest fires? Um and there's three different things that I that I wanted to mention in response to forest fires. Uh, first of all, when Uh, people see forest fires, oftentimes there is a response of fear. And uh, fear can be good, and it can also be bad um, in responding to forest fires. The good, um, and I got to sit, and uh, one of the guys that I got to talk to this week uh, works for Contra Costa County Fire, but gets called by uh, CAL FIRE, which uh, is the state-run organization that deals with fighting these large forest fires. So he gets called out and fights uh, with them. Uh, often. And uh, so it was really interesting talking to him and kind of asking him, okay, when you get called out to a forest fire, what are some things that you experience? And, and he talked about fear as well. He said that fear keeps you in line. He said fear uh, keeps you from being overconfident or arrogant. And in fact, he said this, confidence can interfere with fear and safety. So in approaching a forest fire, if you enter with this, oh, I can take care of this, uh, it can get in the way of safety. Uh, he mentioned that fires move very fast, 30 to 40 miles an hour. And one quick wind change, and all of a sudden that fire's coming at you. Um, so very daunting, very scary. Um, so they often come from behind or around instead of hitting that fire directly head on. Uh, he also mentioned that flame length is usually three times the length of the fuel that it's burning. So if a fire is burning two-foot brush, the flame length is going to be about six feet high. If it's burning a hundred-foot tree, it's going to be about 300 feet high. And so some of these flames are just huge and crazy. So fear can be good in approaching a forest fire, but fear can also be bad. Uh, I learned about something called fire suppression. And what it is, is people trying to keep forest fires from happening at all. And many of you know that forest fires, when kept under control, are actually a good thing. Um, they allow for new growth. They kind of clear out a lot of the old stuff. Uh, it releases nutrients into the soil. It uh, burns up a lot of carbon dioxide and puts oxygen back into the atmosphere, Um And in fact, uh, some trees, including giant sequoias, giant sequoias can't grow at all without fire. Uh, They need fire to open up their seed pods to be able to grow, to be able to get down into the soil and uh, reproduce. So um, if you approach with this fear and say, no, 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 we should never have fires ever, then you know it's a bad thing. Um, So fear can be good and bad in response to fighting forest fires. Um, Also powerless. Uh, That was one of the things, again, that as I talked to this firefighter, he said, man, as he approached some of those fires, he just felt powerless, looking at this huge flame and just going, what am I going to be able to do? But uh, that's him approaching it on his own, and so he looks to others for help. He said that he always takes a huge team with them. Their goal is to contain the fire. Um, They have to watch for sparks that can restart you know, so you can go through and put out a fire, but if it's not totally out, it may look like it's out, but it, things can spark back up if you're not careful and don't, you know, do your duty. Uh, he said there's one guy that is constantly reassessing everything. That's his job watching the wind, watching the weather, watching out for all these little things. So there's uh, correlations between talking about how we respond to fire, forest fires, and how we respond to powerful emotions. And in regards to powerful emotions, maybe uh, some emotions uh, that you may think of and some emotions that we're going to address are anger, fear, guilt, shame, grief, and doubt. These are powerful emotions. Well, how do we respond um, when these emotions come? Sometimes we respond with fear, fear towards these emotions. Um, And again, there's some good and bad to approaching these emotions with fear. The good is that it keeps you in line. It keeps you from being overconfident or arrogant. Again, confidence can interfere with fear and safety. If you feel like, ah, I've got this emotion covered. You know, I can handle it. You know, and you come with overconfidence. It can easily overtake you. And just like fire, emotions can move pretty fast. Can't they? Um, but, you know, in the same way that fire suppression can be bad because sometimes fire needs to go through and do what it needs to do, Uh, I came up with something called emotion suppression, um, which I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. People trying to keep these emotions from happening at all. Let me show you one example of this. I'm just going to come right out. I have no idea what's going on or what this place is at all. Hi! I am Princess Unikitty, and I welcome you all to Cloud signs or anything how does anyone know what not to do here in cloud Cuckoo land there are no rules there's no government no babysitters no bedtimes no crowny faces no bushy mustaches and no negativity of any kind you just said the word no like a thousand times and there's also no consistency i hate this place any idea is a good idea except the not happy ones Those you push down deep inside where you'll never ever 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 down and talk about it all right (laughs) so um, yeah emotion suppression you know if you approach emotions with fear um, it can be a bad thing trying to keep those emotions from coming out and uh, just in the same way that fire can be good when kept under control same thing with these powerful emotions can be good uh, to get out and to deal with when kept under control and again, just in the same with fire, um, uh, sometimes as we look at some of these emotions, we can feel powerless in trying to handle them on our own. Um, but we look to others for help, to help dealing with these emotions. It takes a team. Um, the goal sometimes can be containment. Uh, and we do have to watch for sparks that restart, you know, feeling like, nope, I got to cover it Okay, I'm not angry anymore. And then something can set you off and fire it up. Um, But um, the key, as we dive into this series and as we're looking at emotions and uh, dealing with powerful emotions, the key is scripture. The key is scripture. So we are going to look at how to handle and deal with these emotions from a scriptural perspective, because otherwise this could just be a great self-help club or support group. You know, lots of people talk and and have thoughts and ideas of how to handle emotions and how to deal with anger. And there's tons and tons of books out there uh, that you can go and buy for for cheap uh, to be able to deal with your emotions. Um, But here we are going to incorporate scripture as well. Um, Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever we will. So we need to uh, continue to talk about these things and deal with these things, but continue to seek the Lord, continue to seek his guidance and his counsel as we deal with powerful emotions, uh, because only through him can we really overcome these. And far be it from us to ever think that we've got the market cornered or we know how to deal with these on our own. So that is going to be a huge element. So let me just uh, pray again and just uh, invite the Lord in as we uh, dive into our first emotion for this series. Lord, I um, do just give this morning to you, God, and ask that as we look at your word and and look at uh, different things in regards to anger, specifically this morning, um, Lord, I just pray that we really just come with humility And uh, come seeking you. Um, Like I just said, Lord, far be it from us to ever think that we could do this on our own. Lord, we need your help. We need your guidance. And so, God, we ask that you speak to us loudly this morning so that we can hear you, so that we can hear uh, what you're needing uh, us to do this week. Um, God, remove all distractions God, just allow us to soak in you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're diving in and looking at anger. Oops, too fast. Um, just like uh, fire, people can often equate anger with bad. You know, people can look at fire and go, ooh, fire equals bad. Same thing with anger. People can look at anger... Uh, and oftentimes say anger is bad. God doesn't like it when you're angry, or anger equals sin. But we look through Scripture, and a lot of people got angry for a lot of different reasons. So here's just a short list um, of some people that got angry in the Bible. And I tried to kind of categorize it into kind of looking at the scenario, looking at the situation of why they got angry, and giving some that felt justifiable Um, you'll notice that Pharaoh is under there. It's not necessarily righteous anger, but he's got a good reason to be angry, okay? So Pharaoh got mad because, um, his cupbearer and his, uh, whatever the other guy was, uh, Baker, yes, um, did stuff that, that upset him. You know, they, uh, they weren't, uh, doing their job correctly. So he had a good reason to get angry. Um, but a lot of people got angry for sinful reasons, um, and uh, some people, we don't really know exactly why they were angry, um, but get a little bit of the story around it and what happens when they get angry and stuff like that. Um, but there's a long list, and um, the reason I, I show this is just to say that there are a lot of different reasons that people get angry, and Scripture tells us that and shows us that just by saying, look, here's, here's a ton of different people that got angry for a ton of different reasons. And there's a few that um, I intentionally left off of that list, um, but are some of the key people that when we talk about anger are good to go and look at, and look at um, their anger. Uh, God. God is one of those. God gets angry a lot in Scripture. It talks about God getting angry often. Jesus. Jesus got angry multiple times, and we're going to look at a couple of those this morning. Um But another guy I wanted to look at uh, this morning, who got angry uh, was Moses. So uh, go ahead and flip in your Bibles to Exodus chapter sixteen and that 's where we're going to start this morning. as I was uh, going through this, Moses and anger just went so much more together than just about anybody else in scripture outside of mentioning the anger of the Lord, Um, but uh, Moses was was an angry dude, uh, and for a lot of different reasons, so we're going to look at two different ones, Uh, and we're starting in Exodus chapter 16, and we pick it up in verse 12, so uh, what's going on here is uh, Moses and the Israelites have been freed from Egypt, and they're wandering around in the desert, and uh, the people are hungry, and so they're complaining. And, Moses, we don't have any food. Moses, we don't have any water. Moses, we're upset. Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. And, um, and so in verse 12, uh, this is the Lord speaking. He says, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. And he's talking to Moses. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So in the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take each an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered, some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So Moses got upset. And if we had to put him on our chart for this specific scenario, we would put it under justifiable anger, right? He gave them instructions which came down from the Lord. He said, this is what you're supposed to do with the manna, it's called. Uh, This is what you're supposed to do with it. And some people disobeyed. And it stank up the place. And obviously, that made Moses mad. Very justifiable. Um, Now, and how did he handle it? As we read a little bit further, um, we find out that he goes back and gives them more instruction from the Lord. And they actually follow it that time. Um, So he just continues to point them back to, look, this is what God said, and you're not doing it. So he handled it well. Now, let's uh, flip over to Numbers chapter 20. Flip over a couple books in your Bible over to Numbers chapter 20. And we're going to look at Moses getting angry once again. Numbers chapter 20, we get to see the people complaining once again. And we're going to pick it up in verse 7. So the people are griping. Moses, we don't have water. Moses, give us water. Verse 7. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So here we see Moses angry again. And though it doesn't specifically say it, uh, we can easily get there. Because once again, the people of Israel are complaining. They don't have what they want. They're upset. And Moses, in his impatience with the people, in his frustration, Instead of speaking to the rock as he is told to do, he hits the rock. Um, Now, hitting versus speaking in and of itself um, is not the issue, but rather disobeying the Lord's instruction was the issue. So again, he had justifiable anger, but he handled it poorly, and therefore he was given a consequence. And so we see anger over and over again in the Bible. And I wanted to start out by showing you this to say that that we are given uh, examples of people handling their anger anger correctly and people handling their anger incorrectly. And so with the rest of our time, what I wanted to look at was was two questions. Number one is, where does anger come from? And then number two, what do we do with our anger? Uh, So that's where we're headed uh, the rest of this morning. Uh, So first of all, Where does anger come from? Where does anger come from? Uh, Again, we're going back to Scripture to answer this question. You know, again, you could grab a bunch of self-help books and kind of look up answers there, but um, I want this to be out of Scripture. And what does the Lord tell us? Um, And I kind of categorized all anger uh, into two different places that it comes from. Um, In place number one is disobedience. Um, Anger comes from someone else's disobedience. I get angry because someone else is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And we see the Lord getting angry in this regard multiple times in Scripture. In 1 Kings 11 it says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice... And had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. So we see God getting angry at Solomon because Solomon was disobedient. In 2 Kings 17, it says, Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants the prophets. But they would not listen, but were stubborn, as their fathers had been, who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They went after false idols and became false. And they followed the nations that were around them, concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they made an Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And they burned their sons and their daughters as offerings and used divination and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger." Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. So again, people disobedient, not doing what the Lord has commanded them to do. And what happens? He gets angry. We see this also of Jesus in Mark chapter 3. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Jesus was upset because here the Pharisees were trying to trap him and to trick him into disobeying you know, a certain commandment or whatever. And, and Jesus was upset because of their motive behind it and their hardness of heart. And, um, and he got angry because they were trying to trick him. They were trying to do Uh, something they shouldn't be. And then John chapter 2, and we see this, uh, this is one of the two times where Jesus heads into the temple and sees people using it uh, in the way that they weren't supposed to. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. So there are many, many examples of God getting angry because of people's disobedience. And there are also many examples of people getting angry because of others' disobedience as well, just as we saw with Moses. Moses got upset because of the people's disobedience. But I wanted to start with a perfect example, right? It's, it's hard to beat. God and and his example. But you know what? We feel this way often as well. We have this kind of anger, and I'm sure you've experienced it just as well as I have. When our kids disobey us, we get angry and upset. Or when our friends don't do what we're asking them to do or don't follow through on something. Or or when our family says that they're going to do something one way and then go and do it a different way. How about this one? When you're driving along, someone cuts you off, someone doesn't use their turn single, someone, Sam's on their brake, someone does something, and you get angry. Why? Because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Their disobedience is making me angry. I experienced this uh, when I was a junior in high school and was studying through the Civil Rights Movement and learning about some of the things that went on about 18 and 19-year-old white guys picking up iron pipes and beating 70 and 80-year-old black women simply because of the color of their skin. That made me angry. I was angry because of someone else's disobedience. So we can all, I think, relate to this kind of anger. Anger can come from someone else's disobedience. Secondly, anger comes from selfishness. Selfishness in and of ourselves. We saw this with Moses. Moses got angry out of selfishness. Um, I mentioned Genesis 4, uh, which is the story of Cain and Abel. And uh, that's something that I have in your questions for you to go through this week with your small group or with your family or whatever. Uh, But I wanted to read the story of Jonah in Jonah chapter 4. So if you want to follow along with that, feel free to flip over there. Um, But (laughs) Jonah makes me laugh um, because of how angry he gets. So if you know the story of of Jonah, you know, God calls Jonah and says, Hey, I want you to go over to Nineveh. Nineveh is this horrible place but I want you to go and spread my word to the people of Nineveh. Jonah's like, Nineveh? Yeah, right. And he heads the opposite direction. God causes this big storm to come up. Uh, Jonah falls or jumps off the boat, realizes God's upset with me. He gets swallowed up by this fish. He gets spit back out on land, and God says again, Hey, what did I say before? Yeah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, okay, okay. So Jonah goes and uh, spreads Uh, God's word to Nineveh. And Nineveh is this horrible place, right? So Jonah doesn't even expect for any of them at all to repent. But much to his surprise, everyone repents. Everyone falls on their faces and says, Yes, Lord, we've sinned. We need to be drawn back to you. And so we pick up the story in Jonah chapter 4. But their repentance displeased Jonah exceedingly. Or has he got a good reason to be angry here, Jonah? Jonah's angry because he didn't get things the way that he wanted. He wanted to see these other people, these horrible people, destroyed. Jonah was a faithful guy, doing what God said. But these people, no, 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 they don't deserve your grace. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what what would become of the city. So he's still hoping that God destroys it. So here we see Jonah getting angry for totally selfish reasons. I'm mad because that plant is gone now and I'm not as comfortable as I was. I'm mad because I don't get to see an explosion and see this city be destroyed. Totally angry for all the wrong reasons. James 4 says this, It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Again, we see selfishness being a place that anger comes from. We feel this way when we don't get our way, or we don't have what others have or we think something is unfair, or we're tired, or we're hungry, or we don't feel well. Now, it's very easy to blur the lines between anger coming out of selfishness, your own selfishness, and anger coming out of someone else's disobedience. And this is where you have to step in and be very honest with yourself. For example, maybe the other driver is doing something But maybe you're also being selfish in your driving. Maybe if you were more concerned for others and weren't as focused on you getting where you wanted to go as fast as you could, you'd have had more patience for the other driver. And yes, that was spoken directly to me. Because I need to hear that. (laughs) So anger comes from two different spots. Other people's disobedience, our own selfishness. What do we do with our anger? Though all anger isn't sin, if your anger is coming out of selfishness, it is sin. Because you're being selfish, you're putting another God, yourself, before God. But regardless of where our anger comes from, we have to do something with it now that it's here. So how does the Bible guide us uh, in dealing with our anger I wanted to give you three key ways that the Bible guides us. I went through and looked at tons of different scriptures about anger and saw kind of three different key themes pop up. Number one, control. In dealing with our anger, we need to control it. Ephesians 4.26a, and we're going to come back to the rest of 4.26, says, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. So it identifies the real emotion of anger, but it tells us to control it. Look, we get that you're going to be angry. Okay, So be angry and don't sin. Keep it under control. In fact, that comes from Psalm uh, 4.4, which says exactly the same thing. Be angry and do not sin. Proverbs 14.29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.18 says, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 29.11 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. So we're told, control your anger. Keep it under control. Don't give full vent to it. Control, control, control. There's tons more in the book of Proverbs, by the way. You want to read about anger? Just dive into the book of Proverbs. There's a lot. Uh, But James 1, I had to mention this passage as well. It says this. Know this, my beloved brothers, because we've all heard this before. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, when it says the anger of man, it's talking about uncontrolled anger. In the next verse, he says, put away all rampant wickedness. That's wickedness that's out of control. Anger that's out of control. So we need to keep our anger under control. Jonah didn't control his anger. And it led him to dreaming of suicide. Two guys I put up there, Bigthin and Teresh, uh, were two of the king's eunuchs from the book of Esther. They didn't control their anger. And it led to an assassination plot that got them arrested. Moses didn't control his anger, even though it was justified. And he never got to go into the promised land. So it doesn't matter where it comes from. If you let your anger get out of control, it will lead to sin. Just like forest fires. Forest fires, you need to control it. Anger, you need to control it. This is exactly what happens with road rage. And why you hear some crazy stories about someone that uh, tried to hurt somebody else or killed somebody else simply out of road rage because they let their anger get out of control. So that's one thing we need to do with our anger is control it. Another thing we need to do with our anger is quick removal. Quick removal. The second half of Ephesians 4.26 says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Laura and I live by this. So we don't go to bed, we don't allow ourselves to go to bed angry at each other. It's made for some late nights, okay? Very late nights. But we've committed ourselves to that. By the grace of God, we have not gone to bed angry at each other. It's really difficult, but it's, it's so worth it just to make sure that everything is okay between the two of us before we go to sleep. Now, the challenge is to live this way with everyone as best as you can. You know, because with your spouse, your spouse is right there, but can you do this with other people around you? Can you do as best as you can to deal with your anger before the day is done? So I'll say this. If you need to go make things right with someone, feel free right now. If you need to get up, if you need to go take care of that, please feel free to do so. I am going to give another opportunity at the end of the sermon to do that. Psalm 37.8 says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Sometimes we need to let these things go. Colossians 3.8 says, But you must now put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Get it out of here. Get rid of it quickly. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Anger lodges in the bosom of fools. So we need to deal with and remove our anger right away, instead of letting it sit, letting it fester, letting it build up. Saul let his anger fester, and it directed a large portion of his life towards hunting down David. Joseph's brothers let their anger fester, and it drove them to sell off their brother and lead their father to believe Joseph was dead. It doesn't matter where it comes from. If you let your anger fester, it will lead you to sin. So just like forest fires... Uh, if you let it sit there and smolder, it can spark right back up. And if this anger is towards an individual, you can easily forget what you were angry about in the first place. And now everything that they do is wrong, no matter how right it actually may be. If you let it fester, if you let it just sit there and allow your anger to sit. Third thing we need to do with our anger is surrender. Now, the first two things that I tossed up with as I was going through this, I was like, yep, we need to control it, and we need quick removal. I was going to stop there, but then I looked at it more, I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. Yes, these things are biblical, but they're self-motivated. And so, we will fail at those. So we need to bring God into the equation. We need to surrender our anger over to him, asking for peace and trusting Him to make everything right. The last passage I wanted to read to you, and you're welcome to turn there if you want, is out of Romans chapter 12. It says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but overcome evil with good. And yes, there's a lot of to-dos in this passage, but I bring this up because I ask, how much do you trust God to handle things? Because sometimes what we can do in our anger is feel like, well, I need to fix this. I need to solve this. I need to step in and make sure that they get their just due. I need to make sure that they get what's coming to them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But God says here, vengeance is mine and I will repay. Don't avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. How much are we so focused on right and getting things right? We need to surrender our anger to God. So if you need to, go make peace with someone. Right now. If you need to make a phone call, send a text. Feel free to step out and do what you need to. If that person's in this room, I encourage you to be brave and approach them. But make things right. And remember, you can't do this without God's help. So hand over your anger to Him. Lord, it's so easy to just let our anger sit and fester. Because oftentimes we feel so justified in our anger. We feel like we're, we have a good reason to be angry, and so we just let it sit there. Or maybe we know that we're wrong in our anger, but we just don't want to admit it. Or we don't want to deal with it, or we're fine just sitting there being angry. Lord, you've given us direction. You've given us instruction uh, through Scripture on how to handle this and how to deal with this. But Lord, if we continue to try to rely on ourselves to solve it, we will fail. So God, help us to live by the principles that are in your word. But God, in doing so, let us continue to pursue you and rely on you for strength to overcome, for strength to do it. Because we need you, God. Help us to make things right with the people that we need to. Help us to have conversations, even if they're difficult, so that our anger can be subsided and we can live in a way that honors you. God, thank you for understanding and allowing that we have these emotions, but God, help us to deal with them in the right way, in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen.